And hello, good people of the internet. It is I, Tommy Kelly. This is Adventures in Woo This episode, what I'm going to do is have a walk through this wonderful forest here in Ravensdale and talk a bit about my experiences of the HGA, which is the Holy Guardian Angel, and what I think it is, the different kind of forms, the different descriptions that have been given around this kind of thing, the HGA or the higher self or the spirit guide or whatever it is that people like to call it and how it has affected me what um, I feel where I am with it and my general experience around it just so I have somewhere to point people to who ask me about my experience around it rather than what I have now which is like five or six blog posts and a couple of podcasts and so just one concise succinct somewhat succinct I assume episode where I just talk all about it and what my thoughts are around it now so let's go I'm guessing a good place to start would be by describing what exactly this HGA is meant to be for people who don't know. Well, HGA, the three letters mean Holy Guardian Angel, and it's kind of a term that's used in, in a lot of occult circles. But I think as far as I know, it's relatively new, although you do have the notion of guardian angels, of course, from Christianity, where we have this idea that we're born with a guardian angel or some sort of spirit that looks after us that its job is to look after us. But when it comes to the kind of more technical version of the Holy Guardian Angel, there's kind of lots of different ideas around it. And people don't seem to fully agree on what its actual nature is. Some people think that it's a separate entity, something completely different. In Theosophy, for instance, they're called solar angels. And they come from a different kind of evolutionary path than we do. And they've got to a certain stage of that evolutionary path and they then come to us and we kind of become like their apprentice in some ways. They've been through this before, albeit in a different kind of way and possibly on a different planet. There is talk that they're from Venus and they stay with us to the point that we can kind of fend for ourselves, I suppose, or to the point where we get to a certain initiation. But ultimately, it's not you and leaves at some point when it has, you know, done its duty or done its bit or helped you as much as it can. Uh, there's also kind of a sense that if it really doesn't get on with you, it can also leave, leaving the person very vulnerable and, uh, you know, without any guidance. But seemingly that's very, very rare and you have to be a really, really nasty piece of work in order for that to happen. Ultimately, though, Theosophy is non-dual, so we're all one in the end, but for most of the journey, they're separate. So you have this notion, and it's not just in Theosophy, that these things come from somewhere else, aren't you? and are, are, are definitely a separate being that is just guiding you. You have the same kind of notion in the books and other places like the Simonomicon or the Necronomicon by Simon, where it has this idea of the Watcher, which is your guide and whose job it is to look after you. But it also in some ways kind of hates you too because it will kill you at any second given the opportunity and you have to be very careful around that. The other kind of notion, which is more, I suppose, a new age kind of notion is that they're like your higher self your perfected self. You know, you and you've gone through the school of life and you've done all the lives, you've gone through many countless reincarnations. You've learned all the lessons, you've seen everything that the world is, you've got rid of all your shadows, all your stuff. And it's, you've become like a master of wisdom, you've become an ascended master, and that is who your guardian angel, holy guardian angel is. It's the perfected you. So it's essentially you talking to you, but the perfected you. In places though, like Tlima, you will have the notion that the HGA 
is the first kind of interaction or the first emanation or the first feeling you get from divinity. It's the first approach of divinity towards you. And as you go along and as you do certain stages, get to certain levels, what happens is that you realize that the angel never existed in the first place. That it was you, but in the big you sense, that it was divinity and that it was never separate from you ever because it was you but not in the same kind of new age way of it was to perfected you. It's just how divinity presents itself in a form that you're able to understand, accept, and interact with. And then in places like the new age, you can have the idea that what your spirit guide is, is someone who is dead, a dead person, like an old Native American or an old Chinese person, or someone who seems to, in a very stereotypical, almost bordering on racist manner, um, to have been a wise person from a previous or a lesser kind of, I don't know, epoch, generation, something that's now coming with you in order for you to uh, move forward. But uh, people do obviously have spirit guides where there are relatives that have died, ancestors, that kind of stuff. But people also, you know, have like animal guides or talk about animal guides. I've been told on separate occasions that mine is a lion, an elk. I suppose, yeah, I could make an argument for both of them, but they don't kind of fit in, in what you know, where I overall kind of feel with it. So there is kind of a lot of notions around what this kind of spirit guide, holy guardian angel, um, spirit helper, ancestor, you, not you, not you, but ultimately you, <laughs> you know, something from the evolutionary chain of Venus, perhaps, or a Palladian. Some of all of these kind of things, all of these notions floating around about what the HGA or the spirit guide is. And of course, they can't all be compatible unless you come from a kind of chaos magic point of view where it's divinity presenting itself to you in a form that you can accept and understand. But behind it, behind that mask, and it is only a mask, is this real thing that's perennial and that is the same for all people. So ultimately, yeah, I don't really know what it is or how to describe it, um, given my experiences of it and given that the reading I have of other people's descriptions of it in some way explain it, some way feel right, some way kind of encapsulate the idea of it or the experience of it, but don't in its entirety. And if it is a case that it is just a mask, that, uh, you know, that it's just how it's presenting to yourself, then it's going to present in different ways. And so therefore other people's descriptions aren't going to fully fulfill what it is that you are having an experience of. But I think the only way I can really kind of describe it is through the experience of what I've had. Limited as it is in many ways compared to other people, but it's still enough that it's pushed me past the line that uh, I can't go back, you know, that I can't think that it's not an experience. In the Baptist Head trilogy of books by Duncan Barford and Alan Chapman, Duncan Barford talks about an experience he had with regard to his kind of higher guardian angel, a holy guardian angel, where he remembered an incident in his childhood where he was looking at the glass pane on the front door of his house, you know, where he grew up, and it's just kind of yellow glass and had the kind of feeling that he've had this feeling before, that this was kind of, in a way, the angel, you know, that, that he'd always known this and it was always there. He knew that it was the same thing. I can understand it might sound a bit, I don't know, almost maybe ludicrous, but when I read it the first time, it goes, I absolutely understand that. I know exactly what Duncan was pointing to what he's trying to explain and what his experience, because I've had that experience. I had it around a teddy bear I had when I, I well, well, I still have. It's an E.T. teddy bear that I got at the time when the movie came out, which dates me. And that uh, had that came, same sense of knowing, of always been there, that having a, always been on my side. 
and more than just a kind of a projection in a sense. Well, more than I am assuming more than a, a projection. How can I truly know? Because it feels different. <laughs> that there seemed to be a quality, quality too in what I was experiencing when I think about that telly, which I still have, incidentally. It's right it's on my desk in my work desk. That was being reflected in what Duncan was saying about the glass, the yellow glass on his window. Has my best interests at heart, um, loves me unconditionally, and has all these kind of qualities of never not being there, ever present. It's there when I look for it now. This, but it was in some way my first kind of interaction with it was this, through this teddy bear. And I'm sure a lot of you, or some of you at least, will have a similar kind of experience around something, but this kind of feeling that in the search for the HGA, that it's always been there in the first place, that it's never not been there, and you've always been experiencing it. But sadly, that doesn't mean that you don't have to go look for it, or at least I had to go look for it, and I spent a long time trying to look for it, doing different things. Not just calling it the Holy Guardian Angel, probably not mostly calling it the Holy Guardian Angel, but the Spirit Helper, your higher self, the whatever, the thing that was meant to, you know, be helping you in this life. I came across Alan Chapman's kind of process of how he did it back in the day. And it was based on Father Thomas Keating's Centrum Prayer, which you have in a meditative state. You use a kind of a mantra, but not like in a transcendental meditation where, where you constantly repeat it. But you use it as a kind of a, you say it and then you allow it. And then when you find that you've gone off the path or you've gone and start thinking about paying bills, that you say it again to kind of reassert the thing. And it's his mantra, for want of a better word, was I consent to the knowledge and conversation of the Holy Guardian Angel. And while this didn't work for me, or at least didn't have any kind of discernible effects, it has worked for a lot of people. It's worked for, it worked for Spud and it worked for Nuggan and a, a couple of other people that uh, you probably are familiar with. So it's, it's worth trying, but it just wasn't for me. And so I kind of, in a large way, I suppose give up. And in one of those cases of a lot of people around me having experiences, I kind of went into a thing that I like to call <laughs> the fake Fonzie which is where I pretend these things aren't important to me in order to not feel bad about not having them. If you want to know about that, there's a whole kind of breakdown of that kind of role, that shadow that I have on the website. I will leave in the show description. But ultimately it was just kind of defense of not having what I wanted and pretending I didn't want it. And when I realized that, there was kind of a thing, a guard that dropped in me. And so what happened next was that we did 30 days of the Star Ruby, myself and Spud, as a challenge. The Star Ruby, to a large, large extent, is the Thelemic version of the Lesser Banton ritual of the pentagram. But it's more than that, and it's not a direct equivalent. And in fact, it can be argued, and has been argued, that it's nothing to do with it. It's not a banishing ritual at all. It's something completely different. But uh, I'll let you decide. What I noticed through it, having doing it, was doing it before my meditative practice, was that it was allowing me to get in a deeper kind of sense, a deeper trance or a deeper place with my meditation. And so I found it very, very useful. Um, and it was within this 30 days that I had the experience that at the time I called the knowledge and conversation of the Holy Guardian Angel. I've since changed my mind about that um, as I walk into a tree. It was during a beloved session with a Star Ruby previous to it, a beloved session from the Magia uh, teachings of Alan Chapman, um, which is kind of a devotional meta practice, where that just fell away, absolutely fell away, and then 
I discovered, or it was revealed to me like in a download, the name of my HGA and correspondences and some information. But the problem was with this is that I realized at the time that I already knew all of this. I had been given it before. In 2013, I did a graphic novel called Dem, in which there was a character who's a therapist kind of counselor character called Dr. Falcon. And this is how I know that I had been given the name of my uh, HGA before, because it's obviously it's a reference to Peregrine Falcon. And Peregrine is the name of my HGA as revealed during that session, but with the spelling was changed this time. And I found it very interesting that I was kind of going, well, if I already knew this, why wasn't I accepting it? And I think the reason why I wasn't accepting it is because so much of my magic and so much of my studies and so much of my spiritual kind of movement had led nowhere and just, just felt like another kind of dead end. Um, so I had dismissed it. It feels fitting that we move into a dark part of the forest as I talk about this. So it was kind of when it came about the second time and I kind of paid more attention to it, it kind of made me kind of think about the whole notion of what all of these experiences are. And it made me think about stuff I had with Reiki sessions where I was told I was the chosen one. You know, like I was a star child. I was here to save the world, all of this kind of stuff. And it seems to me that is what happens. That's one of the steps along the way of, of the spiritual path, that you're going to be told you're the chosen one and that you have to be very careful not to buy into it. And some people do buy into it, and I've, I've, I've seen it firsthand happening. And um, you can see it in a lot of the gurus too. I was lucky enough that I, I copped what was happening. Of course, we are chosen, but not in that kind of special chosen one here with a special mission. There are a whole load of blog posts and stuff around us that will explain it in a bit more detail. They'll be in the show description. So I was thinking, is this kind of knowledge and conversation of the Holy Guardian Angel or whatever the experience I was having, is this another trap? Is it another glamour? It's like, in a sense, state chasing where you're trying to look for the new scout badge of, oh, well, yeah, I've had the HEA experience. I'm, I'm, I'm now a higher spiritual authority. I really did feel that for a long while because even with the second kind of wonderful experiences as it was, where I had to download the correspondences, there was an infinite amount of synchronicities that came after it, which really reinforced it. But it didn't go anywhere. It didn't teach me anything. It didn't change my life in any way other than the kind of notion that you can't say it isn't a thing that happened but there was still a tinge of it maybe being a glamour to it but something did feel different it just didn't feel like there's any practical use to it that from a pragmatic point of view of my day-to-day -day life and trying to improve and trying to be a better person and trying to do all of those things didn't seem to have any impact on it at all uh, it didn't sort out my life it didn't there was no kind of rebound in my life or uh, practical effect of betterment of my life. To the point where, um, and again, going back to Duncan Barford, he, he pointed out to me in a conversation that I had with him, which kind of nailed it, that I was very angry with my angel for not sorting out my life. Because that was my expectation, I think, was for it to sort out my life. That once I've had this, then, then that's it. Of course, that's not it. <laughs> At least not for me, anyway. So I got talking to Marco, Marco Fisconti, who is uh, coming from a telemic point of view, and he says, what you actually had there, though, isn't the knowledge and conversation of the Holy Guardian Angel. It's the vision of the angel. Which I suppose is essentially the knowledge of, but no communication with the Holy Guardian Angel. And it's a thing that a lot of people conflate the vision of the angel with the knowledge and conversation of the Holy Guardian Angel. And this kind of answered why it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't as an impressive thing as I thought it should be. And I kind of went, right, okay, that that's makes more sense to me in that rather than it being the end, it's just the beginning. Because it's it, it, like, <laughs> If this is it, then boo. 
you know, it's, it's, if this is the, the revelation of the knowledge and the conversation of the Holy Guardian Angel, then it was a bit anticlimactical. It's a, a bit, you know, really, is that it? It seems more likely that it's not. There is still a sense of, the, of it being there, but it is separate to me. And it isn't, I don't feel that I and it are the same thing. Apart from the points when I can drift into a complete non-dual sense of the entire world where I'm one with everything, and therefore the angel is too. But that's, I don't think that's what's been talked about. I think for me what's going on, and this is kind of the impression I've got, is that there's some shadow work that I have to do in order for my work with the HGA to move any way forward. The vision I get uh, of my Holy Guardian Angel is me lying on the ground, uh, either in a cave or in a canyon beside a fire at night. And she is there and I'm asleep and in some way I'm sick or she's worried about me in some way and is waiting for me to wake up waiting me for, to do something so that we can get on with the journey. And then another kind of vision is me in a dark, dark, vast expanse, like but a cave, and there's black water in front of me. It's an abyss I have to cross, and that all of this water is kind of representation of all the muck and all the dross and all the kind of shadow stuff and all the roles you play, all the nastiness of karma, I suppose, all the things that you attract, the pollution of, of this clear water into this dark, oily water. I talked about it a bit in that graph novel I talked about earlier on, them, there is this kind of notion of this black tar water. And it's the kind of the stickiness, the gooiness of material existence or karma maybe, or all of that kind of shadow stuff that clings to you, that kind of distorts you, dilutes you, or in some way infects you. And this is kind of the notion that I'm standing there alone, having to cross this abyss, but the way to cross it is by clearing out this water and until I do that my kind of journey with the HGA can't continue and it's not that it's inappropriate it's not that it's I've kind of messed up or there's a block this is the right thing this is what you have to do there is a notion with the knowledge and conversation of the Holy Garden Angel that the first thing you do after it is that you call up every demon from hell and you bind them and so this rather than be as dramatic as that it feels like so if you have this kind of interaction then the first thing you have to do is sort your shit out sort out all your sort your life sort out your roles your shadows your Patologos, all of these things, and then you can continue. And I kind of feel that that's kind of where I'm at, where rather than actual demons from hell, it's my personal demons, my shadows, my rules, um, the patologos, all of these things. And one of the big ones is, of course, this kind of grieving sadness that I'm trying my best to uncover, which is uncovering other things around it. And that's been very interesting. But again, it's that I want to say it's an appropriate thing that this happens on my own because the, while the angel, in a sense, could tell me exactly what my grieving sadness is, I wouldn't understand it, or I wouldn't get it, in the same way that sometimes you hear an expression for a thousand years, and then one day you hear it and you go, oh, I understand it now. So even if it is pointed to you, you're not, 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 it's the process that leads to the learning, to the discovery, to the, the way forward, the solution. And someone just telling you the answer is of no use to you. So that's where I feel I am with the HGA. The problem with these maps is that they don't fit my experience exactly, and they are only maps or whatever. And at some point it feels correct, at another point it doesn't, and at some points I feel I'm at the beginning of a map, while parts of me are also at the end of the map. And so it's just, you know, incongruity between the kind of the whole map. But it feels like I have to take this part of the journey on my own. This forest, just over there, was where 
I had a further experience of the HGA where she turned up as a deer. Um, I was having a really bad time at the time and I kind of said, if you're going to turn up, please turn up now. And the sense I got in my head was, I will, but it's going to terrify you. And then it, there was a lot of animal calls and stuff like that. And then this deer came out of nowhere and was just looking right at me. Um, and that was a wonderful experience. I ended up getting some, uh, a present of, of a kind of incense uh, that I, I dug out of, the, uh, out of the forest. Again, you can read all of these kind of more drawn out versions of them uh, in the, it'll be the, all the links will be in the show description, but it was a very powerful experience. And uh, I think that, um, like what I say around my awakening experiences, that I'm on the very early days of, these, of this type of stuff. Um, like my claim to awakening is that I have stream entry, which I suppose in one sense is a big enough claim. But it's, what I mean by that is that I've gone past the point where I can't go back. I've awakened and can't go back to sleep. I have not been <laughs> revealed the full nature of the universe to me. I am not awakened in the way other people um, describe it. Although I can recognize it in other people. Um, so, is it the knowledge and conversation of the Holy Guardian Angel? Knowledge of? There is some communication with, but there's certainly no union. I've certainly not crossed the abyss. And that's where I'm, I kind of feel where, where I am. So, yeah, and my, in that kind of saying that it's have a long way to go and all that. I'm not doing a fake Fonzie. I'm, I'm okay with that. That's where I'm at. Where I am with the HDA feels appropriate and right and I'm okay with it and I'm not trying to get the, uh, you know, the accolade, the badge. I'm not trying to rush to the end. I'm trying to do the appropriate work at the appropriate time given the appropriate place I am and my, the appropriate spiritual work to be doing. My appropriate magic is creation but also negation in the sense of trying to uncover, unravel all of these things that have bound me, uh, be that from uh, family, be that from my own fucking up and my own kind of mistakes or whatever, or, you know, just kind of misapprehensions or misunderstandings about life and creation and about who I am and uh, events in my life and the conclusions I've drawn from it. And the thing that's muckied the water and to try and make it clear. But of course, you know, as you agitate the water, it, 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 it makes it worse. And I, I'm, at, the, at the minute, I'm agitating the water, which is interesting. But uh, yeah, I think that's the kind of the, the goal and where I am at it. So ultimately, do I think the Holy Guardian Angel is a thing or is it just psychology? Is it something, a way that your brain kind of looks at the world or whatever? The only way I can describe it is that the, the effects after it or whatever would lead me to believe that something is happening of importance. But also, apart from all of that, it's helpful. It's kind of, it's a good way of looking at things. It's allowing me to be able to work in a kind of form that has, you know, a trajectory and that I, I can, that feels right, that I can walk towards, that there's something that situates me and explains where I am. And that's, I find that quite helpful. That's where it is. And I thought I'd just make a video just so I could point people at where is, you know, what my experience of the HEA. Below in the show description, I will put down the five or six blog posts and, uh, I'm sure there's a podcast as well that, uh, or two that we've talked about it and um, just to make it complete if you want to go into more detail there is more detail around it and explain it a bit more about the process behind it and different kind of ways that you could approach it to so yeah good people of the internet that's my HGA experience and that's uh, my thoughts on it currently um, I know a lot of you have had similar experiences of more impressive impressive more 
bigger experiences or, or more advanced, whatever is the correct word, neither of them are. So, you know, if you would like to share some of them, that would be awesome too. Um, or your thoughts around the whole thing, what you think the HG is uh, or what it isn't, what's the best process towards it. Is it the, you know, the end goal? Is it the beginning goal? Because for me, it feels like a lot of the stuff that is seen as the end goal stuff is, a, is go- I probably will assume given my experience of it, that it will be, that's where actually the work starts. So the great work that we as known in the Western magical tradition will get you to the point where, right, now the actual work starts. But that, that's kind of from my vantage point at the minute. So good people of the interest, that's my walk through the forest as I talk, probably slightly incoherently about my HGA experiences. May your experiences of the divinity, whatever way they show up, be wonderful. And while they might start terrifying, which they often are, they'll settle down and uh, widen your scope and widen your appreciation of life and creation and all of that that is around us. And as with all things, may our best days be ahead and be well.